Ni hao and welcome to the Medical Protection Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Katie Grant, and today I'll be talking about and talking with one of our many experts we have ready to present at the Spotlight on Risk Hong Kong Medical Conference. The conference runs from 2 until 4.15 in the afternoon local time on June the 25th. In case you're wondering what it will cost you, just two hours of your time. There's no fee to attend the conference, and this applies to both members and non-members of Medical Protection. So I encourage you to block out that time now and register using the link in the podcast description below. Now, today we're joined by none other than Dr. Bonnie Hayden Cheng. Dr. Cheng obtained her PhD degree in Organisational Behaviour and Human Resource Management from the Rotman School of Management at the University of Toronto. Her research is dedicated to helping employees achieve and maintain well-being in the workplace. This includes understanding how and when workplace anxiety can enhance performance, recovering from daily job demands and maintaining proactivity in the workplace. She has published in many journals, such as the Academy of Management Journal, the Journal of Applied Psychology and Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. Her research has also been featured in leading media sources, such as the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, the New York Times and the Harvard Business Review. Bonnie, it's wonderful to have you with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Great. And I wondered if you could start by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up working in this fascinating area. Yeah. So, I mean, now I like to tell people that I was studying, you know, well-being and mental health long before it was, you know, a hot topic. So um, I think early on in my in my graduate school career, I was studying social and personality psychology. Mm. That led to an interest in how to apply these kind of social psychological frameworks and principles to the workplace. All of my conversations that I was having with people, you know, when I started to go to graduate school and all of my friends who were starting to work, always centered around their work stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was also long before the COVID and the pandemic. Yeah. All of that also centered on, you know, they were asking me about, about strategies and how to kind of recover and recuperate and manage their work stress. And I was telling them about, you know, these principles that we would learn in class at the time mm-hmm. to help them. But I realized that that wasn't really made transparent in the business world. Yeah. And so when I started my PhD in Rotman, which is a business school, I was really kind of linking the two, the social psychology with the organizational behavior studies of, you know, business principles. And so that kind of led to this this really, you know, deep focus on workplace anxiety. Mm-hmm. I was working with my supervisor who was uh, very focused on anxiety from kind of an HR perspective. She was looking at, you know, anxiety in job interviews and in a selection context. But I really wanted to bring that to, you know, just, you know, work in general, because we know that people are facing anxiety uh, very much so and on a day-to-day basis. That became, you know, very salient, very timely, very relevant during the pandemic when suddenly companies are reaching out to me saying, well, we are facing, you know, this, this, this second pandemic or this epidemic of anxiety and stress. How do we deal with it? And you can imagine, you know, going from Canada to Hong Kong, mm. where, you know, stress is, has been something that has, you know, been you know, part and parcel to people's work lives that has really escalated. And so some of that research has been, you know, around culture, around uh, organizational culture, and all of these kinds of contextual factors that have really amplified the work. Amazing. Um, I, I'm interested by the fact that your friends were asking you for advice, because I think 
certainly amongst my colleagues who are still working in medicine, it seems to me the thought of how how do you recover? If I ask one of them, how do you recover or what do you do in your time off? They, they probably haven't really ever thought about it. So the stuff you've learned and you've applied in the business um, sort of sector, are there are there um, carryovers that you can use in medicine? So are there ways that we can help our doctors and our dentists to recover effectively? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, that's the that's the wonderful thing about research. And it's also the wonderful thing about studying organizations, because, you know, hospitals, uh, certain contexts, healthcare, those are industries. And so we're not limited to, you know, just the corporate sector, we're not just limited to studying private or public sector, all of these, especially this topic of work stress, crosses industries, it crosses, um, you know, various jobs, careers, all of these kinds of wonderful contextual variables that kind of guide the research. Uh, One, I mean, one uh, salient factor, especially for healthcare professionals is the fact that they find it very difficult to kind of plug out, right? This is something yeah. that they that follows them. It's really, you know, you don't really have the nine to five in the office. Yes. You go home, you're not thinking about it. And especially with the pandemic, it's something that follows you home. Yeah, uh, That's the same with yeah. academia, right? So yeah. for us, we're constantly thinking about our research or our teaching or whatever yeah. it is. And so some of the principles that we're drawing from now when looking at recovery is really around not specific activities that we do to recover, but kind of the the underlying psychological experiences. And one of the main psychological experiences that research is demonstrating to uh, really affect in a positive way our recovery is this idea of psychological detachment which means regardless of the type of activity that works for you, right? Because, you know, yoga might work for you, but for somebody else, it's, it's the worst thing you could do. Um, The the underlying that is the fact that you're, you're cognitively taking a step back as well. So there's the physical, but there's also the mental component and it's giving both of them kind of this, this opportunity to switch off, right? Like a battery to recharge. I think that's you've like hit the nail on the head. I think you know, I'm sure I'm not alone in in amongst my colleagues who have woken up in the middle of the night and actually rung the ward and checked that I've done a job. I had that all the time, uh, and even my job, which was anaesthesia, where you have almost got you know you've done a list. Patients have woken up, they've gone home, they're fine. Actually, even in that job, I found it very difficult to mentally switch off. So, do you do you think that we can actually make a difference? Because I think again, most of my colleagues, I would say, are always switched on you know that it's very hard to get that um that that detachment you talked about the psychological detachment are there strategies that are actually proven to work yeah i mean there's starting to be some research that train i mean it's bringing training into yeah. the workplace right sometimes yeah. it, it gets so bad that we need to go in there and do a training session an yeah. intervention you know to to help people yeah. think about you know how to actively switch off Um, And so that it's possible, the training is showing that it's effective, and it's something that can help. But it is something that, you know, people do have to, you know, be cognizant of, and consciously make that effort to switch off and say no, I need this time for myself. Um, This is, you know, it's six o'clock or whatever it is. uh, And I really need this time that's going to help me to recharge and reset for tomorrow. So working with doctors and lawyers, particularly in Hong Kong, I'm aware often they say their phones are on 24 hours a day. Actually, patients will WhatsApp or they will message their doctors sort of day and night. Um, 
Is it possible that there will be a culture shift in those organisations, do you think, within Hong Kong, so that people do realise they deserve that time to recover? Because to me, that feels like a really big step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you raise a really good point about, you know, cultural differences, because here in Asia, I mean, you can imagine the stress is, you know, long before COVID-19 hit, that's mm-hmm. been something that people have been wearing almost as a badge of honor, right? This is yeah. a culture that prides itself on working overtime. Yes. And so this is something that we really have to work with organizations from the top down to establish policies and cultures that support their people in their recovery. Some of that is around policy, but some of that is even, I mean, simpler than that is if you are a team leader or if you are someone who, uh, you know, has authority over a team, role modeling recovery is so important, right? So your people have to see you you know, not answering emails or messages on the weekends or off hours, because if you do, people will feel like, especially in Asia, right, you follow what you see. And so it's really important when working with leaders, business leaders, corporate leaders, or leaders of, you know, teams across industries to, you know, really get them to, to be aware of their own behaviors, which can help to foster these, you know, recovery strategies that are beneficial for their people. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking, you know, people say, I'm going to be on leave, but you can ring me. You're like, no, you're on leave. So I'm not going to ring <laughs> right. you. I think with medicine, there's always, particularly with things like surgery or or other yes. specialties where you've got that relationship with a patient, that actually you might say, well, I'm not working, but I want to know if there's a complication. So I guess the difficulty mm-hmm. is there's, there's always going to be, like you say, the badge of honour. You know, I am the surgeon. I am, uh, you know, I am your oncologist. Um, but you think, well, and I hope uh, you think recovery is worth it, right? We need to we need to build active recovery and and successful recovery into people's careers. And then, oh, lives. absolutely! I don't think it's even that it's worth it. It's it's something that's necessary, right? Yeah. Our bodies are not built to withstand and endure yeah. constant chronic stress. Yeah. So it's something where, especially for people in the healthcare industry, you have to take care of yourself first before you yes. can take care of other people. So it's all the more important, right? If you are in in this industry that you are giving yourself that break. Yeah, we, we talk about that in our beating burnout workshop, we talk about the super doctor. <laughs> so you know, uh, have you fallen into that trap where in fact, um, you, yeah, you sort of see yourself as indisposable, uh, you know, and also invulnerable to disease or, or burnout, but we know that that isn't the case, right? And like you say, uh, put your own oxygen mask on before you try and help others is, is the kind of yeah. the analogy we use as well I think there's a mm-hmm. lot there's so much to unpack there uh and I'm really excited about your talk at, at the conference one thing you're going to be covering I understand is something called the recovery paradox is that right mm-hmm. yeah so uh I will cover some strategies and I'll try yeah. to stay away from kind of the obvious strategies that we all know we need to you know be exercising we need to eat right we need to be healthy but I'm going to really focus on some you know strategies to kind of expand our toolkit of strategies because I think the more that we hear or even to to see what other people are doing that all helps ourselves right to have an expanded toolkit so I'm going to focus on strategies that are science-based they are data-backed that have been proven to be effective that maybe um, are a little bit more not counterintuitive, but not the, the the typical ones that we that we you know go to when we think about how to help ourselves. Yeah. Uh, in in reference to the paradox of recovery, this is 
kind of an interesting topic that's being kind of grappled with in, in research now, which is uh, really in reference to this vicious cycle of stress, yeah. right? The idea that the people who need to recover the most or the times when we need to recover the most are yeah. actually the times when we are least able or likely to do so. Okay. So you can think about, you know, working towards a deadline, yeah. um, you know, you're, you're, you're pushing yourself so hard. And so the stress is elevated. You need to take a break, but people actually counterintuitively work even harder. They work even longer hours yeah. and that makes the stress worse. I mean, I, I was I was reading about this uh, one of your articles, and it was really hitting home. Think about when we did our long shifts. Um, you know, you didn't make time for lunch, so we were always hungry. We were always slightly angry. We talk about the hungry, angry lady. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. Hanger. And I'd be there trying to do a central <laughs> line, so like putting in a you know doing a delicate procedure after twelve hours on call. Haven't had a drink. Haven't been to the bathroom. You know, and how on earth? Could I expect myself physically and, and mentally to be able to do anything with any kind of skill? I'm doing an epidural on a labouring woman. So I think yeah, a lot of this, right. we, mm. we know that we're meant to do it, but there's that barrier, isn't there? And is it also about the healthy diet? I remember after doing night shifts, I'd go home and I'd buy myself a massive bag of sweets and a huge loaf, loaf of bread and I would just eat <laughs> like sugar. Right. And then obviously yeah. you've got this really weird sugar high. Um, yeah. And like, you know, like, oh, I should be doing some exercise or oh, I should be, you know, I should be eating better. But like you say, there's mm, that almost yeah. that inbuilt, um, you know, it feels like a punishment. Actually, I feel like I need to treat myself. So I'm going to treat myself by by eating bad food. Um, so yeah. I'm really interested in this idea. How can we break that vicious cycle where, yeah. in fact, we're, we're compounding our exhaustion? by um by stressing ourselves more it's easier said than done right I mean I, I, myself I'm guilty of this too I talk about you know strategies but do I do them myself yeah. not <laughs> it's it's hard right so well, that's being a human though Bonnie, isn't it? To, you can't, yeah you can't expect you you to be <laughs> no one's perfect yeah. um, but I think what you said also about um our team leads or even people that we look up to it doesn't you know it doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily have to be your manager but the, mm -hmm. that organizational tone or what's expected within the organization this is how we do things here and we expect you to have breaks. We expect you to do this. We expect you right. not to do this. So it sounds like there's a lot of work to be done. Um, but it also sounds like there are there are things we can do as individuals to get the ball rolling, at least. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And I think part of it is having these conversations, yes. right? Because the more we talk about it, the more we can, you know, put it into practice. Uh, and hopefully we can, you know, change culture, even if it's bottom up. Yeah, well, exactly. Like I say, I'd be interested to hear from our participants. And obviously, there's going to be a panel during the conference. So if you've got any questions for Bonnie about this, you you, you are very welcome to submit them. Because I I'm still think that, yeah, like I say, to a lot of doctors and clinicians, the, the thought of actually putting time or even energy into your recovery will be something of a new concept. So I personally, I'm going to uh, enjoy this talk I think Bonnie because I'm going to be making notes myself I'm already making notes as we go along um <laughs> one other thing you talked about which isn't necessarily on the same theme but at the beginning I just wanted to ask about harnessing anxiety I think you've said so mm -hmm. just uh, asking for a friend here anxiety in the workplace is it always a bad thing or actually can it be useful can it be constructive Ooh, I think I mean this could be its its whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so short story is absolutely yeah. anxiety can be harnessed, mm. uh, and that's actually the 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 kind of theme of of my my overarching research has yeah. been to show the positive sides of anxiety. Mm. All of the research shows that it's negative to the point where you you've got you know scholars who are publishing papers about how we need to get rid of anxiety. Yes. But really, the the my dissertation has been, and since then 
my work has been about showing how anxiety can actually reap benefits at work. Mm -hmm. Um, We all know that we need a little bit of anxiety, right, to drive our best Mm -hmm. work. A lot of people can't even, you know, get going until there's a deadline in front of them. So how do we kind of take the best parts of anxiety and the motivating potential of anxiety and put that into kind of, you know, how we address our work, how we approach our work and ultimately affect our work outcomes? Amazing. So, if I, and I guess they're the opposites, aren't they? You've got that the action, the active working, the performance, and then you've got the opposite, which has to be the ex- successful recovery, right? So, I guess there's a yin and yang, if you like, but without yeah, either one, you're not going to perform best. Bonnie, that has been absolutely fascinating, and I'm going to have to stop talking to you. Otherwise, we're going to give away all the all the interesting stuff you're going to cover in the conference. <laughs> but thank you so much. Thank you. This was a pleasure. Great. I can't wait. Uh, so we have reached the end of today's podcast. Um, if you want to hear more from Bonnie, and why wouldn't you? So many ideas here. Um, please do register for the conference in the podcast description below. As I said, it's on June the 25th from 2pm until 4.15 and it's free for all. Bonnie will be there uh, and I cannot wait to hear more about how we're going to recover more successfully. So thanks again to our guest, Dr. Bonnie Hayden-Cheng. I've been Katie Grant and we'll see you soon.